we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, Dojo family. Today is the Scorpio full moon eclipse and Mercury retrograde all at once. And it is felt. And I really can't imagine a more powerful way to journey into this energy consciously and with a lot of intention than to look inward and behind us. Mercury retrograde Mm -hmm. is to rewind, is to review. And so we're actually sitting with one of my sister's allies, one of the most potent musicians, vocalists, lyricists, Mm -hmm. spoken word artists that I've ever met, doctor of Chinese medicine, dojo council member, medicine sister, powerful oracular Mm -hmm. channel, Dr. Galia. And Mm. he is one who stands for being willing not only to review and to Mm. look at the place from which we've come, but to actually go back to the place from which we've come. And (laughs) the places that most of us deem untouchable when it comes to lineage work and ancestry work. And I imagine anyone listening, if you're drawn into the dojo field, it's very likely that you've been drawn into personal development work, personal transformation work, your own personal healing. And why are most people drawn into that? There's some, some layers that need to be looked at that need to be healed through, which are often the keys Mm -hmm. to our greatest gifts. And when we find the points where our deepest healing lies, the keys are most often found in our family of origin, our family systems, but then we often stop there. But what happens when we go to our ancestors, 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 and actually review and rewind and look at the parts that have been deemed unspeakable and have yet to be healed through and throughout all of the lineage until now, until you, until here in this moment. 
what a powerful scorpionic be willing to look at the shadow willing to look at that which we are afraid of because we have the tools to do it and we're ready for it this is what dr galia represents to me this is like i have so much respect for this woman i'm so excited to share with you the journey that she just took this pilgrimage that she just went on and more of her voice and her history and devotion to lineage work. And I really, I, I, I haven't encountered many individuals who have gone as deeply into this work as I've, I've witnessed in Dr. G. And so I feel Mm. really excited to bring her voice. This is actually the first conversation that we're having since she returned from Eastern Europe. And I'm going to pass the mic to Dr. G and I would love for you to just introduce yourself and share your deepest why for saying yes to this podcast and just give us a little context of where you just came from. Wow. Thank you so much Z for that intro. I'm humbled. I'm honored. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I literally just landed um, a few days ago and I spent the last two months um, traveling Eastern Europe and really connecting with my lineage and my ancestry. And my why for today of showing up in this space is, you know, it's still very alive in me. And you may, may the fourth be with you, uh, was the kind of the energetic that I'm bringing of, I wanted your audience and myself to even have this as sort of like a memento of this moment kind of crystalline capsule of where I'm at right now in my life, having just walked literally, I mean, we'll get into it, but you know, some of the deepest, darkest paths and brought my voice and brought my light and brought my gifts and planted literal seeds of wildflowers in some of the darkest places I visited to rebirth and regrow in a way that honored my truth and not the stories that I've been handed over and over and over again that are, you know, in their own way, sacred and also not in alignment with the, with the integrity that I want to bring to my life Mm. anymore. Mm. And, um, a lot of cord cutting, (laughs) a lot of needles, Mm -hmm. a lot of song, a lot of medicine without medicine, right. Of just being so fully in a moment that, it feels like you're on a full plant journey. It feels like, you know, you're in between worlds and veils are being lifted. And, um, you know, on one of your podcasts, you actually had a whole theme around the burning man Mm. energy when there's just like this collective synchronistic, everything happens in this magic portal moment. Mm. And I had that thought actually, while on this walk, uh, wow, I feel like I've cultivated my own kind of synchronistic bubble where you know, I had no phone, no Wi-Fi. Like I was completely at the whim of the moment. I didn't book anything. I booked a flight there and a flight back with two months in between. I didn't even know where I was sleeping when I landed at the airport. And I was in full surrender to the deepest, highest, whatever timeline I was supposed to walk. And being there fully dependent, you know, as a woman, one, in a foreign place where I don't speak the language, I don't know the culture, I don't know anything, um, but I, I know that I have me and I got me and I brought with me the tools I thought I would need in case I felt weak or in case I needed to remember you know, where my strength lies. I, I fortified myself with my tools and my toolkit and otherwise I was at the whim of whatever, you know, the universe. And being there was not easy 
there were challenging moments, absolutely, you know, and from the mundane to the extreme of like the train's delayed, you miss the transfer. What are you going to do? You sleep overnight in this hotel lobby in Vienna, like, you know, crazy, just going with the flow moments to wow. Angels on deck, you know, angels on deck. (laughs) You know, it's one thing to go to burning man where you, you, at least you think you're going to have fun when you decide to go. (laughs) and to create a flow state when you're at Burning Man, but to decide to go to the origin point of the Holocaust as a Jewish woman who has ancestors who were murdered there and to find your touch point and to reconnect and be planting wildflowers And bringing your prayers and bringing your voice and coming back into that place, you know, that's a different type of courage, you know, and then to feel the type of flow and safety and life, the angels showing up for you to guide your journey the way that you did. I mean, I respect, I honor that. I celebrate that, that, that those energies of flow and expanse were so present. That tells me that, and I'm sure it told you too, that you were right where you needed to be. That's what the signal of flow state is. And it's so common for so many of us. We're like, yeah, I'm going to go do the thing that I'm excited about. I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to go to Burning Man. I'm going to go to, you know, to Costa Rica and like be with all my friends and hide. And I get into these flow states, but to actually, I just really want to highlight the kind of woman that you are Hmm. being gone Hmm. for two months, knowing that it's not going to be easy going right into the heart of the shadow, right? I just got chills everywhere, right into the heart of Hmm. it. What? Mm -hmm. Like by yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's now rewind before we even go into the happenings and the what that feel the most pertinent and ripe. And I, told Dr. G it's amazing. She's like willing to come on the podcast and share today because this is like, she said, just days off getting off the plane. And when you go through big, you know, recapturing and, 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 and healing work, even after a big plant medicine ceremony, often it really makes sense that there needs to be some time to integrate, you know? And so we're really getting a fresh expression here. So we want to create that context and also know that we're trusting Dr. Galia to know what feels ready to share. And that as things ripen over time, you guys can, I'm sure we'll share her Instagram and her ways to connect with her. If you feel like you are inspired by the sharing that's happening here to do your own lineage work, and you would like support with that, you could reach out to her and know that there's going to be deeper layers and things that kind of blossom in her own consciousness over time that may not be ripe and ready to share today. But thank you for trusting me and the field mm-hmm. here and just the magnetism of who's attracted to listen to this episode because of who's attracted to the dojo field that it's being held with reverence and good mm-hmm. intention. And so we really invite anyone listening to like bring reverence to your listening, you know, maybe if you're doing a million things right now, it might be nice to slow down and and listen when you have a moment to like be in a meditative state where you can really fully deeply receive. Mm. So just to rewind, because I know some of the ways that we started connecting initially were around just our history with the Jewish tradition, the beauty of it, and also the layers of control that can come up. And so many in my own history, I experienced a lot of control with my family around 
who I'm allowed to date. And and, and it, if you rewind it, it's so much of the fear that breeds the control specifically comes from where you just went. It comes from the, the othering, the racism, the, you know, the life-threatening experiences that many of our ancestors actually walked through, through experiences like the Holocaust. And if you're listening and you go back in your ancestry, there's many different traditions and, and heritages that have gone through experiences of genocide, you know? And so we're speaking to our Jewish lineage. And I really pray that if you are not coming from a Jewish lineage, perhaps this is, you know, applicable from your own vantage. So, you know, looking at it through that lens of open-heartedness, but, and, and also uh, application to what's true for you. So for us, or for myself, I can speak that through experiences of, you know, my, my grandparents' parents being killed in the Holocaust, that created a lot of fear in my grandparents where they would want to do anything to protect their family and keep their family safe. And of that, I understand and have compassion that there's a, a way of thinking that it's only safe to be with other Jewish people because if you're not, it's your life might be on the line. And that was their actual experience with anti-Semitism. Mm. And there's my parents, their kids, right? So then they transmit, then it's a generation away. They transmit it down to my parents. And so one of my parents took that in a lot deeper than my other one. And so mm. there was a lot more control coming through that parent than there was through the other one. So I had a, one side with like a lot of unconditional love and one side with a lot of power, but also a lot of control. And that control is coming from the impact of, of fear that is understandable. So it's like having compassion for that. And so experiences, I know that we both had of experiencing control and kind of needing to break free. There's like this experience of, at least for me, of when I'm being, being in the control, I had to like break free, like expel myself from that. And then what I've witnessed in you is then making the journey back home from your freedom from your stand for who it is that you are. So maybe you could share a little bit about who it is you are and then your experience with your family and then wh where you freed yourself and then what your journey coming back home has been like mm. first to your family of origin. And that's been its own magical wild journey. After our dojo immersion, I remember you went to go visit your dad and there was like the book from your Grandma, yeah. So all that. So you've been having this really deep journey with your family of origin. So take us from the liberation to the back home, and then we'll go into the deeper ancestry journey. Mm. So for those of you that don't know me yet, um, I grew up as an Orthodox Jew. So I grew up in a very tight knit community where everybody dresses same, acted the same. You know, there's all these Netflix documentaries now, My Unorthodox Life. Um, that was my life. You know, I was completely immersed in this cultural field where there were expectations to follow a certain trajectory and you're being groomed from a very young age to be that way. Yeah. And in high school, you know, I'm having sit downs about becoming a mother, you know, and what are my plans and how am I you're allowed to go to Israel to seminary for a year, and then you're supposed to come back and you're supposed to start preparing for marriage and pop out babies. And, 
you know, my inner Leo lion was like, I need a stage. I'm going to act. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. And I was just immediately met with like, oh no, we don't do that here. That is not our path. You can be a teacher. You can do this. And I'm 17 years old and I heard no. And that did not, you know, that did not sit well with me. And so that was my first journey into removing myself from this world of knowing that there was a deeper truth in me for a life that this world couldn't give me. And I had to slowly start making steps and a path out. That was not the norm. Uh, People don't leave the community. I don't talk to anyone that I grew up with. You know, there was a a shattering that had to happen of a, a death of a world, but I'm also 17 and I'm looking towards this bright future that has me so lit up that I'm willing to burn whatever is in my path to get to this version of me that I'm excited about. Yeah. Right. And so 17 years old, dropped out of yeshiva, dropped out of high school, went to college. And that started the severing between me and my, my family as well. And so, um, you know, from the age of 17 till really like my late twenties, there was this big rift between me and my family because who I was becoming was in no way in alignment with their values and morals that they were so, you know, certain marked what a good human was and the codes of God, you know, and we were just, there was so much love. There was always so much love, but there was so much misunderstanding that that love was never being seen or felt because we didn't speak the same language of love, mm-hmm. you know, me showing up, but having to cover myself, you know, cover tattoos or cover piercings. And then, you know, meeting them in a way that made everybody else feel comfortable, but I'm dying inside. And then going to the extreme of spaciousness and not talking and having years of silence and that being more painful than being fake, you know, it's like this, this whole journey into like, okay, now I'm an adult and I love you. And no matter what I say or do, this bond between us is never, it's never ending. You know, you gave me life. We are coded now forever in this way. And it's not true for everyone to continue a relationship with their parents. It is very, you know, unique and individual. Sometimes severing a relationship is what needs to happen for the highest alignment mm-hmm. and in full reverence to that truth. Uh, for me personally, I knew that, you know, my grandfather, bless his heart, would say, when it's hardest, love harder. And honestly, that was my mantra through this whole trip. <laughs> because when it was hardest, I had to love harder. When it's it's so easy to hate and blame and shame and, and be a victim, it's so much easier to take that path than to decide, okay, I'm going to get curious and I'm going to love harder mm. because this person needs it the most because wow. they are triggering me so hard to push me away that I know somewhere in there is a tortured soul that needs love so much that they're so afraid of receiving it. They have to push it away because that is their survival mechanism Mm because they've been hurt so many times in the name of love. Right. And, and love can hurt, you know, it's not always a quote. It it can hurt. It's part of the growth of love. Often the goodest, the goodest ones hurt the most. You know, Um, so I made that, you know, that choice with my family to, to meet them in the middle. And we had some hard talks and, you know, essentially the agreement we came to is like, we don't have to understand each other actually, 
we have to respect each other. And in that place of, of respect, we can nurture love mm-hmm. and, and be, stay as curious as we can and notice where we have judgment. Mm-hmm. And when we're not available to be curious, yeah. we have to be respectful. We have to be oh. kind. I just, I respect it so much. And I just, I'm reminded how parallel, but different our journeys have been for me. It was almost a decade as well of kind of having to keep being separate from the family, but still like kind of doing our best to be in connection, but really keeping two sets of books and not able to tell them the truth of my experience because of the, the conditional, the conditions, you know, and it, it, after a decade of kind of for me, it was a lot connected to dating out of the religion. And so it was like almost like Romeo and Juliet syndrome. After a decade of Romeo and Juliet syndrome, it's kind mm. of taxing. It's actually taken me a really long time to recover and yeah. like rebuild and remend. And so meeting yeah. you and hearing that you also had a similar journey and had that rupture, but then like found your way back home and put so much energy into repair Mm. with your blood family has been so inspiring for Mm. me. And it's really made such a ripple of impact on Mm. me as well. And there are still deep layers that rise in the immediate blood family system. And I'm finding like that quote, you just said, when it's hardest love harder, the gateway is acceptance, like finding really where, where can I just accept where everybody is understand sometimes we won't actually understand each other, but can we actually have a shared reality that it's okay. We accept that we don't understand each other, but we love each other. That's kind of where we just got to like, it's okay. And there's love, right? (laughs) But at least the shared reality, because then nobody's trying to change anyone. And I think it's, there's the energy of you need to be different or else, or you need to be different. And it's wild because there's a mirror. Because in a way, I'm also saying that you need to be different and, and, you know, or else. And it's like, wait a second, when all that pulls back and it's like, we are who we are, we are how we are. We love what we love. We like what we like. We accept that because the love is bigger. Now that, now that is easy to say in this moment while I'm not triggered and activated, but yeah, but, but truly that (gasps) as an an aim, it's beautiful. And now I see you, I've seen you leaning deeper and deeper into that aim. So can you kind of take us back? So we, we had our dojo immersion and I know there was some magic that happened after that, when you went home to visit your dad, can you, so there was, I really want to kind of track the hero's journey of kind of, yeah leaving the family unit, individuating, and then now coming back home to the family unit, which I think is pretty archetypal and common, right? So like, let's track that through you. And then what I've seen where I want to go after that is then you kept going, (laughs) right? Okay. So take us, take us home now. So what, what has coming home been like? Um, you know, it's been, I think turning 30 was a big shift in my physiology. Um, and coming home now is something that, you know, it's still sticky. There's still those, those wounds that are still mending. Um, and through plant medicine, through, you know, the dojo immersion, um, I've been the veil of, of, (laughs) for lack of better word, like our mortality has come up to the surface and, recognizing that I don't know how much time is in our timeline. 
And so that shift of perspective really has changed the way I show up now with my family, where I'm really working on reverence for the time that we do get to share and making it as potent and healing and pure without avoiding big conversations that need to happen or, you know, dropping little truth bombs if that's what needs to, it's like, I'm not wasting any time anymore. So, and my dad is a very learned man. He studies Kabbalah, like he's very immersed in the Torah. And so, you know, the, the idea of discussing theory, ideas, beliefs, emotions, all of that, he's, he's very welcoming to those kinds of conversations, which is a gift. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, and yeah, right after, you know, we did some, some good work together. Uh, I had bought this Sidur that I was going to gift to my father and it had this silver plaque and it was just this gorgeous work of art with turquoise stones engraved in it. And um, I flew back home to gift him the Sidur, which is a prayer book for those that don't know that, that terminology that you use. And uh, he held this book and he was like, oh my God, that's so crazy. And he pulls out these two other similar, like mirrored books with the same cover and the same everything, one medium and one small. And I had given him, it was like a set and one was my grandmother's and one was my great grandmother's. And so it was like this full circle moment where I had like in the number three, right? Which for me, we'll get to it, but I actually tattooed the end of my, my trip with another triangle, which made a mug and David on my arm in white. I don't know if you I saw there it is. Wow. There it is. <gasps> right. <laughs> so the the triangle is past, present, future, thoughts, words, actions, um, mind, body, spirit. And so it's this like, how do you hack timelines, you know, and through this the the holy trinity, right? Um, and so by closing with the third book, there was this massive shift in me. I was like, okay, we are closing some kind of cycle right now through prayer, through this, literally through prayer. And so that was right before I flew to Germany, (laughs) you know, and to literally go on a prayer walk with my ancestors. And I I called it an ancestral walk because I really didn't know what else I was doing. I knew I was going to be on my feet. I had my backpack and I was going to go meet whoever wanted me to meet them and to just stay in my Shema and in my listening. And I tattooed the, those words above my ear right before I left, which just means listen. And yeah, it's been, ah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've been listening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so just really feeling the potency there's the, the coming home and that's wild that you got the same Sidor that your grandmother and great grandmother that that's just wild. She sent me a photo. You guys, they're, they're identical. It is crazy. They're like the odds of that are, there's no odds of that. (laughs) So that, that was the entry point into this two month prayer walk landing on the earth, you and your backpack with this intention. So where did you start? And (laughs) Now, because it's like you, you, it's sort of like there was a resolution, um, reconnection landing with your family of origin. And then it was like the grandma and the great grandma, the, the ancestry then started calling you deeper. Yeah. And so then where do you go? Well, where they were from. 
So here you are where they were from. And can you kind of walk us through whatever feels true to share from the beginning? Mm. The most, you know, potent kind of moments of like, whoa. Uh, yeah. 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 So I landed in Berlin, um, <laughs> which it was the epicenter, you know, that's where headquarters were. Yeah. And um, for the Holocaust, for the German Nazis. And um, I didn't know where I was sleeping. So I went on my phone real quick at the airport, found a hostel, heart of gold. I said, okay, this is it. This is where I'm going to stay. And I would only, I would take it day by day. So if I wanted to stay another day, I'd go down to the lobby. Hey, is this room available? If it wasn't, it was time to go, you know? Um, so it was literally, I mean, I think the most I booked a room for was maybe three days when I knew I had a lot to cover in an area, but it was, it was very, and then I didn't book the next thing, you know, it was like, stay in the moment, stay present. You might need to extend you. You don't know what's going to happen, who you might meet. So Berlin was Hitler's bunker. It was the Shoah Memorial, which is a massive, uh, art piece in the center of town that has different stones at various degrees. And you walk through, I have, um, you know, it was such a dance for me between documenting and being in the moment and knowing that there was going to be this convergence of a story that wanted to be told and also honoring when is appropriate to pull this out. And when is this just for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so that dance was, was always present with me. And, um, I started ritual day one. Day one, I went to Hitler's bunker, and um, which is now it, it's so I you know history. It's we try so hard to give it its its memorial, and there's like a, a plaque on the wall on the sidewalk that's like here was where the bunker was, and he was underground. And then there's just apartments all around, right? And I happened to walk up as there was a tour guide. I didn't do any tours. I I listened to my own tour guide. Mm -hmm. And I happened to walk up to listen to one in English also, which was a gift. And he was explaining. And as he's walking, he's like, actually, the sandbox over here where the sandbox is, is technically where Hitler's body was buried when they were found in the bunker by the Russians. And so I was like, oh, that's all I needed to hear. So I walk over to this sandbox and I begin to do a full prayer ritual and I had some resins and I pulled out my tiny little cast iron and sat in the middle of the sandbox and started singing and started calling forth, you know, my ancestors into the space. And yeah, <laughs> it really chills all over my body. Yeah, it was, it was day one, you know, I didn't waste no time. I was like, okay, day one, <laughs> here we are. Um, you know, and I, I say this with really deep reverence and it's not something that I, I think everybody may be called to do. And, and I think it's something as women that we can offer if it feels in alignment and as a full yes with intention, there's also a lot that can be opened with this kind of offering. Um, and I'll share it with your community because I feel that they will hold it in reverence. Um, I did offer my moon blood mm -hmm. in that space. Um, I had a vial that I carried to several locations actually to concentration camps and crematoriums, which yeah. is a whole where there were moments where there were very strict timelines that I could walk right through and I could give offerings, but I had to do it in a split second kind of mm -hmm. moment in reverence, in prayer. And, you know, 
we carry so much in our blood. And the, the point of this journey was to honor my blood lineage and also to release from my blood what no longer serves my lineage. Whoa. So to pour yeah. blood, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to pour blood, you know, in this place where Hitler's body was burned felt like a full body fuck yes offering. So I, I did that and I, I, you know, I sang in Hebrew uh, over where his body would be. And then I ho'oponoponoed in full circle at the end of my last day of my trip. I was back in Berlin because my flight was canceled. And I went back to Hitler's bunker and I sang again. And this time I sang ho'oponopono. Because I was in reverence of forgiveness after my journey where it wasn't so much this like intense, like you, you know, you, you can't have my whatever anymore. Mm -hmm. I was in this calm, like, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. When it's hardest, love harder space. Wow. Hello, my loves. If you've been following me for a while, you know that over the past several years, I've birthed an ecosystem of transformational containers that have not only yielded profound personal evolution for all involved, but also true, lasting sisterhood. And the intimacy cultivated within this sisterhood has yielded a field of true safety that is profoundly conducive to personal transformation and it keeps getting stronger. The dojo field has seen cohort after cohort of women claim their freedom, truth, and higher calling. And the women keep showing up for one another year after year. It's truly profound. I really trust the magnetism of the dojo field and it is time now to call in the women for the next cohort of the dojo immersed. The Dojo Immersed is a three-month higher self-embodiment initiation for women who are leaders, facilitators, and natural guides ready to claim their next levels of service and empowerment. Saying yes to this container means a commitment to massive expansion. It means being willing to see everything that is not in full alignment in your life and being willing to dive deep into your own personal healing process, claim responsibility for your creative power, and create full congruency in every area of your life. Inside, you'll journey with an intimate cohort of 10 to 12 women who are devoted to doing the same. Women who are devoted to sisterhood and devoted to liberation in service of life on this planet. This three-month container centers on a three-night in-person immersion and qualifies you to continue forward into the deeper layers of entrainment available within the dojo ecosystem. If you're feeling the call, now is the time to fill out an application and set up a call to explore alignment with me. Visit zaharazimring.com slash the dojo immersed or see the link in the show notes to apply. Yeah. Well, I, so, I need to shave my legs again because I just so many times as you were talking. I'm wondering, I'm just asking in the moment. So whatever. Yeah. She, 
Um, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to record um, just an audio of one of the prayers that you sang, which everyone feels true. And we'll, we'll tag, we'll add it to the end of this episode, um, mm. whichever one, yeah. Pono or one of the Hebrew prayers or any song that you feel like Shema, Shema was my prayer. It was yeah. my, yeah, I sang it. All so day, every day, through till the end, and we're gonna have yeah. to hear this woman's voice—the kind of what was being spread all over energetically and frequency. And thank you, that would be amazing. So we'll yes, add that you. audio to the end of this episode, so we can all really receive that—that that, the frequency of those prayers and what you're standing for. Mm. Wow, the ultimate—the ultimate act of of forgiveness, you know, like what you just kind of painted there, I think is a really healthy arc. When you mm. first arrived, you're like, well, the energy I was in when I first arrived was kind of like, you get out of my blood, you know, like it's the anger and the frustration, the purging of what is not yours to carry. And that's, how, you know, when, when anyone experiences abuse or betrayal or violence in any way, it's a healthy response to have, yeah. anger. it's a healthy response to push back. It's a healthy response to like, that's the phase that's really important. And it sounds like on a, you know, if we kind of bird's eye view your whole walkabout for two months, by the time two months later, you had come back around because you gave yourself permission to be angry because you let yourself cry because you were like, get out of my blood because you held your boundaries because of all that there was like a softening on the other, mm-hmm. on the back end that allowed you to come and make the full circle loop, which completes with forgiveness. And as we all know, the forgiveness is not just for the soul of the one who has violated you, but also for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super powerful. Yeah. So that was day one. All right. That was day one, casual yeah. day one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Berlin for about five days. And there was a lot of synchronicity and um, also a lot of intensity in those first few day chapters. Um, I really want to speak to for a moment uh, as women specifically and as humans in general, um, the power of intuition. And I think that one of the major gold pieces for me, because I hadn't traveled in this way solo um, really ever. I had gone to Europe with my sister when I was 19 and we also didn't have a plan or whatever. And it was magical and intense, but to be truly in my own mm-hmm. and listening with my highest mm-hmm. and, and sometimes being wrong, you know, and sometimes having to deal with that repercussion of mm-hmm. making the wrong choice mm-hmm. and sitting with that and then being like, okay, well, I trust the highest timeline. And I also then would call to my angels and my ancestors of like, okay, I actually really need you on deck right now. Yeah. Like I'm Oops. lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm lost. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't have any GPS to yeah. find my way. And yeah. so, and then they would come, mm-hmm. you know, I'd get the 777 car going in this direction and I'd get the hit, like follow that car. Wow. It will take you where you need to go, you know? And m- so many moments like that. So landing in Berlin, a lot of that came up right away being in um, a hostel. You know, there was a moment right off the bat where my radar went off where I was not safe and having to handle that in a new country by myself as a woman and then honoring myself, you know, and being like, the lobby won't let me change rooms. I'm still going to do what I need to do to feel safe in this moment. And the warrior versus the goddess versus, you know, when to pull out the the tender when it's hardest love harder. And then the Kali, like, made the bridges that burn light my way. 
you know, like, so that, yeah, yeah. (laughs) that dance of what it is to be in my fullness of my masculine and my feminine. Right. And as a female embodied, you know, person in this lifetime and representing in this world. And I had to dance. There were some, I got myself into some sticky situations being too trusting and too open. And um, I think part of that was also my lineage work though. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in Germany, I went from Berlin to Dusseldorf, where my grandfather was from, which talk about synchronistic magic. Wow. I I stayed in a hostel that night and there was this man from Ukraine, a refugee, and a 17-year-old from Morocco studying high school in my room. Mm-hmm. And I burned sage, you know, and I'm clearing the space. They're like, wow, great. It smells so good. Thank you. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. good. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because <laughs> I got to clear my sleeping space. I don't know who's been here. Uh-huh. Um, and morning, I get up to go to this Holocaust museum that's in the center of Dusseldorf. And this man from Ukraine pops up as soon as I wake up and he follows me outside. And he's like, where are you going? And I was like, I'm going to this Holocaust museum. He's like, can I come with you? And I was like, it's kind of intense. Like, do you <laughs> want to come with me? Yeah. Are you sure you want to take that on? Yeah. Like, well, I have nothing else to do. And I was like, wow. okay. He's like, well, I have a car. And I'm like, okay, great. Cause it was going to take me, you know, all this public transport. And he was like, yeah, I have a car. And then he takes me there. And as we're walking up, he's like, I just want to be sensitive. Like if this is something you need to do alone, I, I'm not trying to intrude on your, on your like day. Yeah. It was very, I was, I like that too. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I, you're a sovereign being. I'm a sovereign being. I really appreciate you saying that. I am going to be in my own space inside. And if you feel called to be here, then absolutely like, you know, follow your truth. So we go inside five minutes in. He's like, I got to (laughs) go. I didn't eat breakfast. This is too intense. It's all this listening and reading. I need to go eat something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, respect brother. Like go do you. Thanks for the ride. Thanks literally mama, because Two minutes after he leaves, literally, I turn the corner of this museum and I see my grandfather's picture on the wall as a young boy. And I'm like, what? That's my, what? And as I'm realizing that that's my grandfather, this man and the front desk girl are walking right behind me. And I turn and I'm like, this is my grandfather. And the man is like, really? no way. And I was like, I know, I know. Right. I didn't know he was in this museum. And then he was like, I work at the archive. I'm only here. She's new here and I have to cover her lunch. But if you wait 30 minutes, I can take you to the archive. We have all this information on him. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, here, why don't you listen to the interview while we, while you wait? And then he pushes on the computer. He's like, oh, thank God it's working. They've been broken all morning. And then I hear my grandfather's voice telling his story of how he survived the Holocaust, being projected on this screen with drawings he made as a little boy. And I'm in this complete state of like, I haven't heard my grandfather's voice. One, he died when I was 17. Uh, So to just be in his presence, like so fully listening to him tell the story as I'm on my ancestor walk to honor his lineage in the town and city that he grew up in. Yeah, this is, yeah, Dusseldorf. And I'm looking and I'm listening and then I'm having this whole moment with my grandfather and then the man takes me to the archive 
and we go in the back. He's like, so this is crazy. But the woman who interviewed your grandfather, who retired 13 years ago, is here today looking for pictures for another story she's working on. And she said she would love to meet you. And I'm like, okay, God. (laughs) I go in to meet this woman and she's like, her name is Angela. Angel is in her name. I'm like, hi, Angela. She's like, oh, Ernie Lowenstein. I remember Ernie Lowenstein telling me about my grandfather and pulling out papers and paper book from 1892 with my great grandmother's name written on it that went through the concentration camps, through the Holocaust, that I am named after this woman. And she pulls, it's falling apart. I mean, the paper is like thin and she hands me this prayer book and I'm like, And like, that's just like how I, I'm just like, I have no words, you know? And she's like, she looks at the man. She doesn't work there anymore. And she's like, I'm like, do you think it's possible? And she looks at the man. She's like, I think if a family member wants to reclaim an item from the archive, we should maybe bring it up to the board. And I think families should always have first right to anything in the archive that they may want. And she looks at the guy and he's like, yeah, I can, uh, we have a board meeting on Monday. I can bring that up on Monday. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, you're going to give me this, I get to take this with me. And she was like, I hope so. I will vouch for you. And I'm like, this is amazing. It gets better. She's like, have you been to the art museum? I'm like, no, why would I go to the art museum? She's like, your grandfather's art is featured in there from when he was a child. I'm like, what? So then she takes me to the art museum personally, <laughs> speaking in German, you know, and she gets the director's name, emails, gives me the email, tells me to email him. She said he's going to open the archive for me to go see these photographs, these paintings that my grandfather made when he was 11 years old, right before he left Germany to go hide in France during the war. You know, these pieces of my grandfather like tangible of my line of my my grandmother my grandfather right and then this woman Angela she said where are you staying and I'm like I'm staying at this hostel and she said come stay with me for a few days I would love if you stayed with me and I end up going back to the hostel to get my things this man my angel who drove me there all his stuff is gone he's completely removed from this hostel and I'm like I texted him like what happened? Where'd you go? And he said, yeah, I moved hostels. Take care. Have a great, you know, enjoy your journey. And I, I just talk about timing, right? Had he not taken me to then be in alignment with the archive man that walked by at that very moment to then walk to, cause she was leaving. She was wrapping, Angela was wrapping her stuff yeah, up. Yeah. You wouldn't have gotten there in time. Oh my God. That is wild. I know. I know. It, it was it was like I. So you have do you have the prayer book? I do have the prayer. I went back on Monday. I ended. That's why, you know, I couldn't book plan things ahead because things like that would happen where it was like Friday and then everybody's out of the office and so I have to wait till Monday to get this book. But then Angela shows up and she says, "Come stay with me. Come stay with me. A village outside of town." And you know these these surrendering. So like, well, I only wanted to in Dusseldorf to do this thing you know you can't yeah. like be rigid because yeah. you don't know what's going right. to show up in the field right totally so I ended up staying with her and then um yeah starting my moon as soon as I entered her apartment which was like a whole yeah it, 
interesting moment for me too. And her telling me about my grandfather, having a woman that knew here I am in this strange city I've never been in before to meet the one person who knew my grandfather, like had a personal relationship with him, flew to see him three different times to get his full story, to put it in the museum is inviting me into her home, you know? And I'm like, okay, grandpa, I see you. I feel you. You're, or you are organizing this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bless the potency in that line. Their granddaughter is flying in across the world by herself. Yeah. They're covering some bases. Wow. I, I am blown away. Okay. So now people keep going, keep going. We've got like a bit, a bit longer. on. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, that was, that was Dusseldorf. Uh, my grandfather escaped to Paris. So I went there and I went to his, I got his exact addresses. I was going into archives, every Jewish history museum of the Holocaust. I would go and look for any information on my ancestry. I would find names amongst millions of names. And it would be like Lovenstein, Lovenstein, Lovenstein. And those names would follow me around every country I would go. It would be the same. Some of the same names would pop up and I would know, okay, these are my ancestors. Like these are the ones that want me to know their names. Mm -hmm. And I am now doing that work of calling in, calling each person by their name. Like, okay, Rosa. Okay, Ernst, you know, okay, Ludwig, okay, Otto, I hear you, I see you, I now know your name. Wow. You're telling me your name and call each thing by its right name, right? And so the power of naming an ancestor and no, I've never met you, but you want me to know you. And, you know, having having access to them in that way is, is really, it, it's changing the whole way that I relate, you know, to this idea of, of Bring, calling in the ancestors, you know, yeah. I'm like, oh, some of them now are giving me their name. Yeah. And I wonder how many more names, you know, could yeah. I, am I supposed to carry? Am I supposed yeah. to know? Yeah. And, and yeah, how can I honor them more deeply? And um, Paris was really intense. There was a lot going on politically at the time. So that energy, feeling the people rioting, there were strikes, there was this backlash of energy from the people. It was also the most intense energy I received personally in my interactions where I had to call on a lot of Kali energy within myself to stay safe. And then I, I had kind of a bookmark between my dad's side. So I'm, I'm the byproduct of both parents. Grandparents are survivors of the war. So I had my dad's lineage and then I had my mom's lineage. So I bookmarked, you know, I did Berlin, Dusseldorf, Paris, honoring my grandfather. And then I went to both the concentration camps that my grandfather's parents were in, which was Gors and Marseille um, at a factory. So I would go, I went into those, I had her prayer book (laughs) now, and I went to Gors concentration camp, which was a whole nother magical story because I, it's in the, these concentration camps are in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's like, how do we get away with mass murder and not create a massive scene is like, they're not like on the road casually, you know, they were, they were kind of far off some of them. And so, um, Gore specifically had no buses, no trains. And on top of it, it's in France and there's strikes going on all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I somehow decided to stay in this tiny little town called Poe and I email the Chabad rabbi of that town because there happens to be one. And I say, hi, I'm doing an ancestor walk. I'm here to honor my, my lineage that survived the Holocaust. I know my grandmother was in this camp. 
do you know anyone who might be driving there in the next few days that could give me a ride? He emails me back the president of the camp, his information. He said, call him. He'll know somebody. So I call him and I'm like, hi, you know, I'm on this walk, la, la, la. And he, he writes me back right away. I will personally pick you up on Sunday and I will take you there myself. Oh, wow. Chills again. Wow. Right? And I was like, thank you. And he was like, absolutely. To honor your lineage, you should, you should go and see you know, and he said, I already found two names in the cemetery with your last name on it. And he's like, so I don't know if you know who they are. And I was like, well, they're introducing themselves to me left and right. So I'm here to honor all of them. And I know my grandmother was here. And so to walk, they kept the main road in and out of the camp intact, where it was a massive camp, one of the biggest ones that they had, it was a work camp. And eventually, they ended up sending most of them to Auschwitz and draining the camp towards the end. But in Gores, the, the main road was still intact and I had her prayer book and I had a little vial of my blood. And I was like, my blood has walked this, this exact road. Like she literally walked this exact road to enter into this camp. And now I get to walk it in prayer and song holding her book of prayer. That was like a high moment for me of really feeling on purpose, you know, of this, there was... No, you can go visit the camps and you can visit the things, but there was this like really direct portal of that moment of of being fully on purpose and fully in alignment with my particular lineage, knowing that they had walked on this very earth and that I was getting to like a rewind, play, repeat kind of feeling her looking at me, watching me be there because who would go back? You know, why would you go? So many people don't want to face their trauma. This is the, yes, this is your message. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And here I am in the, like feeling, holding her very artifact that by the grace of God was given to me before yeah. I got to her camp that she kept throughout that camp. And I get to just sit and, and, and give my blood and pray and just be like, I see you and I'm here because of you and because of your resilience and because of your prayers and your faith and your trust in yourself to make it through this. I get to come here now in reverence and walk this very road with you, holding your prayer book to say thank you for all that you did so I could be here with you. Wow. That was a, that was a gift. That was and to be chauffeured, <laughs> literally chauffeured by the man who was the president honoring this land. That was that was definitely a massive, a massive moment for me. And Auschwitz, you know, going to Auschwitz, that was whew, some deep. I would say Auschwitz and then Hitler's mansion, which was sort of the where I felt this precipice shifting of that alchemy into when it's hardest, love harder. That was where I really felt um, Auschwitz was very intense. It was the entire sky was a yin-yang. Over the camp, clouds, rain, darkness. To the left, sunshine, bright blue sky. And I, ha I have pictures of this. I'm like, I can't believe what I'm looking. It's literally a yin-yang above me of shadow and light and pouring torrential downpours and then giving me the water I needed to plant my seeds of wildflowers, of paper with prayers for 
alchemy of prayers for healing for everyone who was on this land to beginning the rain that then let me plant my seed, you know, at these, it was like, (laughs) yeah, girl, it was, I, I still feel humbled and in such like, like, woe is like, why me almost energy of like, how could how could I have known that every step of my journey up until this point in my life was going to take me to this place where I was going to be doing this kind of work? If you would have told me 10 years ago, you know, that this is the work you're going to be doing, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, and I always felt like 33 was going to be this really pivotal year where I was going to birth something. I thought it would be a baby, but life said, ha, you know, <laughs> but it was something was birthing. And I say that because. I went from that experience of Auschwitz and feeling, you know, the depth of what the Holocaust was, of what the ultimate end goal of that experience culminated into in a tangible witnessing. And there was, there's two camps, there's Auschwitz one and there's Auschwitz two. There's two different camps because it got too big. And so I spent, you know, 10 hours (laughs) in prayer walking between these camps doing rituals in between people walking around, you know, like trying to find my little nook so I could burn Palo, I could give tobacco, I could give a prayer, like finding ways to bring my medicine into these places where, you know, it's not that easy, actually, you know, there's tour groups and and all kids in high schools, like, you know, all these interesting energies and um, on Passover, on the full moon. I went to this tiny mountain town, Berchtesgaden, in Germany. And I had this idea I was going to go up to the eagle's nest, which was built specifically for Hitler, to overlook the mountains. And it's this epic building that's closed during winter. And I go up to I, you know, fancy hotel in the middle. This is the only thing I could find. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this hotel room and I'm going to go do this work and I'm going to hike up to this eagle's nest. And so I, I check in and I ask the front desk, how do I get, how do I get up here? Are there trails? And he looks at me and he's like, there are, but you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, no one's going to tell me no, you know, I was like, why not? And he's like, many experienced hikers have hiked that trail and we still haven't found their bodies. And I'm like, he's like, it's like an Everest up there. And I was like, okay. And then he says the piece I really need to hear because my inner rebel has been out this whole trip, you know? And I'm like, yeah. well, I'll be the one that makes it. And yeah. he's like, <laughs> totally. you know, and he pulls out a map and he goes, besides, Hitler was afraid of heights. He rarely spent any time there. His mansion, though, was right here. And he points on the map. And he's like, it's mostly destroyed from the British during the air raids, but there's still a wall that remains. And it's in this area. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, thank you. That's yeah. all I needed to hear. Yeah. Redirect. <laughs> like, you're like, this is not how I die. Okay. <laughs> they were like, girl, don't you dare try to hike that mountain. <laughs> you don't even, it's like icy, snow covered. Like, I don't know. I, I have like no But you, gear. But you believe in, you believe in this so much. You would really risk everything for it, which is really a powerful thing to arrive into when it comes to your design. And I'm so excited for the ripples of impact that this is going to make in terms of what you do with this energy moving forward and in service and in support of others, because 
when we click into our design so deeply that we would literally lay it all on the line for it, there isn't a question. It's just, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's one of the most profound arrivals, I think, as a human being, when you're getting that much synchronicity and affirmation and support. And thank goodness bless. It it turns out you didn't need to um, go out that way, but it's just, you know, there is something really powerful and beautiful of the place that you're coming from. And I can really feel that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, there was the inner teenager, right. You talked about how we left origin family. I went back to that place where there was this like uh, this line in the sand and an entitlement that came over me specifically in Germany mm-hmm. around what is owed to me mm-hmm. for my ancestors. And I had to really walk this integrity line within mm-hmm. myself of like, well, y'all took all our shit. So I want this apple. Sue me, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like the yeah. inner rebel. Uh-huh. I was like, <laughs> girl, is that really who you are? You know? And it yeah. was like, well, yeah fuck you too, you know? And I uh-huh. had to really dance with uh-huh. what is, what is the point of this? And yeah. where is the alchemy and what is righteous and true? And where is my inner rebel coming to play? And yeah. is she just acting out to act out or yeah. is there, you know, where's the, what's the is this serving? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was a fascinating journey to be on in and of itself. Totally. And, and then to get to this, this pivotal point where you know, okay, I had been to the bunker, but that's where he died. Now I'm at the place where he lived, Mm. right? Where he spent a third of the war hiding and plotting. This is where Auschwitz came to be from this location is where he spent a majority of the time when he wasn't moving around. It was here in this mansion. Mm. And I asked for the, the land, the ancestors of that land, and for my ancestors to cloak me in protection so I could do a ritual because it was on this trail, this hiking trail, and there's just this massive wall. And I've never seen magic work so hard as I did in that moment because, Mama, people would walk and nobody came close to the wall. Nobody crossed my boundary. I drew a line amongst the trees and I was like, protect me. I have to do this work. And I lean my back on the wall, my spine touching every bit of this wall that was his house. And I use my tuning fork and I did all these points on my meridians and including spleen four, which is the the Chong Mai, which connects us to our ancestors through our lineage, through our blood. And I'm singing shaman, shaking a shaky egg with the other one and hitting the tuning fork and doing my I have my little cauldron with my resins going in front of me to clear the space and every single chakra I clear. And I do these specific points on, on my channels that I feel called to do and kidney channel and spleen channel and, you know, all these, these medicinal points. And then I hold it and I, I, I can feel the vibration of the cells of my body recalibrating as I'm leaning against this wall, you know, and I'm like, clear this, this is what we're clearing his energy, wherever it touched anywhere in us with a story, a belief, a fear, whatever, an ideology, we're clearing it now. This is where it ends. And as soon, and, (laughs) and I had taken with permission, you know, I had little mementos from different camps a nail here, a rock there. And I had all these pieces on my altar in front of me of like, not only are we clearing it from my timeline, I'm clearing it from any timeline that I am touching 
with these artifacts here. I'm doing for myself and for anyone else that wants to piggyback on this right now. I'm not your antenna to carry your story, but I am your antenna to clear whatever needs to clear right now. Yeah. And, you know, just holding this vibration. And then I had this friend that I had met in Maui that I didn't know lived on the other side of this mountain. And she's staying there with her, Germ she's German with her German family. And I go from doing this treatment to taking a train to this family's house that I come to find out her grandfather was a Nazi prison guard in a prison camp, worked for the Nazis. He was a full-time soldier his whole career, World War I, World War II. And I'm in this German family house wow. and I sleeping in this bed that her mother slept in and my body goes into a full energetic labor. And I'm, I don't know how else to describe it, mama. It was insane. Like I've never felt pain like this in my life. It was coming down my spine, into my rectum, into my hips, into my womb. And I was having full on contractions. I'm in feet like full <laughs> cat cow pose. I'm moving my hips. It's coming in waves. And I know that there's no baby. So I'm literally in this process of birthing death because as I'm sitting there in excruciating pain, every museum, every Holocaust memorial, every concentration, every face on every wall that I had seen is flashing before my eyes. And I'm groaning and I'm growling and I'm giving all of my chi to birth death, essentially, and to honor the dying of what was to create this new portal in my womb space of what will be, you know, it was like, Oh cute. You thought you could do a little tuning fork and that'd be it. Like, nah, girl, you need to clear this from your body. And that was, that was the turning point for me. That was the most humbling, excruciating pain I've ever been in in my life. Also, can we take a moment to honor our mothers and the pain that they go through to bring life into this world? We do not talk about that enough. I, I have a whole new respect for women. Yeah. I already respect those, but then to get a taste of what that experience might feel like. And that was, that took me out for days. Yeah. Yeah. And there was no baby. So, you know, you don't get the endorphin high that mamas yeah. get where they're like, yeah, but I would do it all over again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, these women, these women. And this wow. woman who went wow. through that and didn't get that endorphin high and went through the full passage of the honoring of all of those who have been lost with all the resistances and all of the terrors that have gone mm -hmm. unprocessed to process that through your system and through your lineage. I'm going through a process. I just want to be transparent with everybody. This happens with us, with Dr. G, mm. with me, for as a Jewish woman with my own history of trauma through the lineage, witnessing you. I start said this in the beginning before I heard this expression, this all of the stories. Like I said, this is our first communication since she's been back. So I am I'm affirming that mm. the work that you're doing is ringing the bell, is creating exp expulsion, expression, processing, is doing what it's meant to do. I, I, I have not on any other podcast that I've done so far had chills as often as I have throughout mm. this episode. Like there's something real mm. and very deep mm. that's being moved 
through the willingness and the work that you're doing. And that's being affirmed in so many directions through the synchronicities and support that you've had throughout all of this work. And now here's another direction where I'm like, wow, you're sharing. Thank you. I thanked you in the beginning. I'm thanking you again for the Mm. courage and willingness to share with me and with all of us here in this field, what you're moving through. And I imagine anyone listening who has Jewish heritage and lineage or anyone listening who has trauma Mm. in their lineage might be receiving some significant activation. However, that looks going to be different for everybody through this. And I don't know what it looks like for me, but there's a lot moving. Mm. So, whoa. So honoring you, so mm. fuck yes, honoring all the mothers, but all, and honoring you, <laughs> what you just did and what you were willing to do and the way that you're moving through and mm. how much prayer and intention and ritual you brought to each of these, each of these experiences. And so hearing you here, you know, as we start to kind of land the ship of the episode, I know I'm going to be integrating as you're integrating, right? So I'm, I'm just talking here. You are in the home of this German family, literally like the labor of the unprocessed emotional, energetic, physiological, spiritual, psycho-spiritual content that's being moved through you for your own and all those around you. And you named that as a turning point. So can you speak into just like what, what, what feels like the, at least for now, like I said, I think there's a lot more that's going to keep surfacing as you integrate, but you know, what's the takeaway. So that was a turning point. And then in this, you know, last chapter of your journey, can you kind of give us the high level of what turned after that? And, you know, how would you like to close it in terms of what you're kind of taking away and walking with right now in your own integration? Mm. Mm. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. I think that was a turning point for a couple of reasons. One is because, you know, sometimes I think very visceral, spiritual, emotional growth in moments. But when you bring in the pain body, when you really get into the the DNA that's storing the actual suffering, you know, um, and then it, feeling pain is so humbling and, and such a reminder of my mortality and my humanity and, and how I also have my limits. Right. And so then, and then being in that space of extreme pain, knowing that I had walked during hailstorms and snowstorms, wearing full down jackets and still being freezing on these paths that I knew my ancestors were in pajamas, you know, working on these camps to then feel visceral pain in such a way that it, it, I felt like it drew this bridge of connection where I had intellectually understood and even emotionally understood and spiritually been in reverence, but then meeting it with my physical, it, that it was like, okay, the bridge has now been solidified of, of the depth of mm-hmm. suffering because it wasn't just mental or emotional or spiritual. It was actually physical at, in the extremes, right? And um, I think that is what brought it home into my, my soma was having that physical release and also that tenderness around my own physicality and, and, and then having to take time to recalibrate from there. I actually, so being in the German house, doing that healing the next day I did a treatment on it, on the mother and to then offer healing to a German family, having just gone through a death portal myself 
to then give to this. I felt like what better alchemy of this history than to show up in service as a healer when it's hardest love harder. That's where I started to find that, that inner compass of we are not what happened to us. We are not the story. We are not victims. We can be helpers. We can actually show up right now. That's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So here's this woman, this older woman who is in pain and suffering from fear, debilitating anxiety over the death of her children that hasn't even happened that she's so afraid of, which is the mirroring of what I'm doing that did happen. People's children did die, you know? And so here I am in this mirroring with this German woman. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a treatment. I'm going to bring my needles out for you now. I, I'm going to help you work through this anxiety and this fear story. And her ancestors came into the treatment. Her grandmother showed up in the space, right? And I come to find out her grandmother died giving birth to her mother. And I'm in her bedroom giving birth to death. And here was this perfect mirroring of life, death, symbology, yin and yang meeting in this alchemy of, whoa. And I, I, I had this like, oh my God, I'm sleeping in the room that this woman used to sleep in. And it, having this death portal experience to the next day, giving her a treatment where her great grandmother comes in with anger and rage and envy. And she's like, I'm so uncomfortable. I feel my great grandmother here and she's not happy. And I was like, oh my God, here I am in reverence to the mothers. This woman never got to be a mother. She literally gave her life for life. I'd be pissed too if I never got to hold my baby. And here you are living with your baby, getting to have this moment with your family, right? So here I am in this alchemy of understanding what life even means to give your own life, to produce life. And then I, it was actually kind of intense for me to stay there. So I cut my journey short and I went to Portugal to go to the ocean. And when I got to Portugal, my great aunt emails me that my family took a Portuguese ship from Europe to New York. And Portugal was actually the saving ship that brought them to safety. And so I didn't know that. I just felt the pull to Portugal because I needed the Mediterranean Ocean. And I knew that I needed something that, to cleanse my body. And so I, for three days, took a train, back-to-back trains to get to Portugal. And I landed and I dunked my body in this water. And then my aunt's like, Portugal was, was the neutral space. They actually came and a lot of Jews hid there and were rescued in Portugal. And we took a Portuguese ship to, to New York, which is where full circle, right? I started my journey. And that was the last kind of ending of my trip because then I was going, I had left some stuff. Uh, I left my backpack at this house because I couldn't carry it because my back was so tender. I just took a tiny bag to Portugal. And I was like, I'll come back for my shit. And I went to the house, I closed that circuit, you know, and I said, okay, I've healed. Like I, I, I honor this and I'm, I'm done here. And then I went to Amsterdam to meet my youngest sibling on 420, which is Hitler's birthday. And I celebrated life with my youngest sibling in Amsterdam, which was like the ending 
of this beautiful kind of like, now we get to celebrate life because we're alive. We're alive. And then I got this, you know, the, the white Mm. to represent the healing work that I had. Scoot, scoot this way. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so there's the white triangle on top of the the black, the yin yang, mm-hmm. and then me and my sibling got matching uh, tattoos, which in Hebrew says "lis kol lis um, which I'm terrible at this. Okay, here we go, "lis kol lis and it's connecting to my needles that I have on my elbow, which is my armor, mm-hmm. and which "lis is to remember, like. Uh, which was even in Amsterdam, the memorial for all the names of the Holocaust was called Lizko, the Zaho, to remember, yeah. in memory of, in memoriam. And mm-hmm. so we got Lizko, remember, Lizrom, to flow like wow. water, because both our names mean water. Uh, Galia means the wave of God, ocean wave. Maim is my sibling, which literally means water. And remember to flow was the whole thing of this journey, was like, you are water flow like the waves and they will be high and they will be low and everything in between. Um, and then my flight got canceled, which gave me that last extra day in Berlin. Thank the goddess. So I could have that moment with Hitler's, you know, bunker where his life ended, where I got to end my trip now in this other space of complete, like, okay, full circle. We did it. Like from start to finish, we fucking did it. Oh my God. Yeah. Holy wow. Holy wow. Oh my goodness. If y'all are listening only on audio, you can look on YouTube as well if you want to see the tattoos. And we're going to add the Shema, the prayer, Mm. the audio of Dr. Galia singing that prayer that she dusted all the lands with in, in many pivotal moments of this journey. And I'm, I'm personally really excited to hear it myself again. And yeah, listening to the, just the frequency that you put down, whether you're speaking as you all can feel through this podcast transmission or speaking or writing poetry or singing, we've had the gift. Uh, Dr. Galia is one of the incredible fucking women. I'm blown away by these women that are a part of the dojo council. And we've had the gift of getting to journey together in many a deep way and receiving the just transmission of your voice in all of its forms and the way that transmission coming through you can really shift some energy for others and for myself as well. Um, So I feel really excited having experienced firsthand um, my own really deep impact from receiving the power of your voice for everyone after having received this transmission and this journey. I encourage you to just stay for just a few more minutes and really create some space to land and open your heart and then receive the transmission of, of her voice with the Shema and just let whatever rises rise. So, Mm. wow. Dr. Mm. Gaia, thank you. What a beautiful, beautiful, powerful, deep journey. Mm. I will definitely be listening to this episode again. I'm going to send this episode to my family, to loved ones, and just feeling, Mm. feeling the potency and power and impact of what you just did. And thank you for doing what the work that you do and, and living in your design and all of its surprising expressions. (laughs) Like if I think it's, uh, 
it's kind of cool that if the version of us 10 years ago looked at what we were both doing now, it'd be like, what, you know, but really it's like, wow, that wouldn't be doing rather doing anything else. And like the vibrancy I can feel in you after the depth of affirmation that has just happened in the way that life and your ancestors showed up in support of the work that you've chosen or that has chosen you is irreplaceable. It's such a precious vibrancy doesn't mean it's good or it's bad or it's easy or it's hard. It just means there's an aliveness. And mm. I really feel that aliveness coursing through you and your expression here. So thank you mm. for bringing it all, the aliveness that comes after being willing to touch death to us here. Mm. Perfectly timed on the Scorpio full moon, which when we release this, it'll be a couple of weeks after, but the energy will still be very much alive. So it's really good timing. And I'd love for you to share if there's ways that anybody impacted by this episode can reach you. Um, let us oh, know sure. where can they find you. You can find me on IG. I am dr doctor underscore Galia G A L Y A. My email, if that is of preference, uh, is Spirit Healers NP for nonprofit at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, you can always text me, I guess, too, mm-hmm. if that feels in the highest email, alignment email with her. reverence. Email her first. first. <laughs> and then if 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 she feels inspired to give you her phone number, she will. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, mama. Yeah. <laughs> She's like boundary. Yeah, boundaries. <laughs> first. Um, but yeah, first. I I want to say she is an incredible, Dr. Gali is an incredible doctor of Chinese medicine. So if you're called towards, you know, deep work on a physical level, body work, acupuncture, um, and, you know, also just really excited for more of your facilitation and your artistry to come out Mm -hmm. in the world. So there's Mm going to be a lot she'll, she'll be popping out. So definitely give her a follow and reach out if you want to go deeper. Yeah. To all of you listening, thank you for the depth of your receiving. As always, these these episodes and the, the the places we go are really only possible because of the trust in both directions that is present here. And I really trust that those of you who show up to listen um, are listening at a depth that is really reverent and honoring. So thank you. And with that, I look forward to seeing you next time.
Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.